Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, God's Power, Humility, and Control. Lesson 12 of the Exodus Study, Exodus 10, the 8th and 9th Plagues of Egypt. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. Unfortunately, I still do not have the written study complete for y'all to purchase on the website, so I'll let you know whenever I do. Providing that we're already halfway through this lesson and I still don't have it available for you to purchase, if you would like a free copy of this whenever it's complete, email me at Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com and I'll give you a free copy of this since you've been listening so diligently this entire time without all of the scriptures and charts and everything in front of you. Now, last week we talked about the seventh plague and if you happen to miss that, you might want to go back and listen because we talked about exalting ourselves above God and also what true repentance is. Now, today we're going to cover the eighth and ninth plague beginning in Exodus 10. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first couple of verses and then we'll talk about them. Exodus 10.1 says, Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of all your sons and your sons' sons the mighty things I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So I'm going to stop right there because we've already talked about why God is hardening Pharaoh's heart in regard to Pharaoh. He's doing it to punish them for oppressing his people and to show the Egyptians his power. But also in revealing his power, he is increasing the faith of the Israelites. So both groups are experiencing his power, but one, it's causing to fear him, the Egyptians, and the other, it is causing to trust in him more fully as their Lord. Their faith is going to be so important for the journey ahead and for the generations to come. And so God wants them to be able to remind themselves of what he's done so that they can trust in him and then also tell their children so that they also will trust in him as he's leading their nation. So God reveals his power for different reasons, depending upon who you are and whether you believe in him or not. So the question that we just need to ask ourselves before we move on is how do we react whenever God reveals his power to us? Does it cause us to fear him and believe in him that he's the Lord of all things? And, you know, does it increase our faith? Does it make us trust in him more fully whenever we see all the things that he's capable of doing? 
And does it compel us to align ourselves with him and his people instead of others? That's what God's doing here. He's revealing his power so that Pharaoh will be punished. The Israelites will have an increased faith in him. And then also, as we talked about last week, so that the other Egyptians can decide who they want to align themselves with. When they see God's power, they have to decide whether they want to continue to follow Pharaoh or if they want to submit themselves to God also. Now, let's go ahead and continue reading, beginning in verse 3. It says, So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Or else if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. And they shall cover the face of the earth, so that no one will be able to see the earth. And they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail. And they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. They shall fill your houses and the houses of your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your father's fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going, though? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds we will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Then he said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now, you who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So at the beginning of this passage, God asks how long Pharaoh will refuse to humble himself before him. So Pharaoh's pride just would not let him submit or acknowledge God as Lord. He continued to resist even when he knew that God was more powerful all because of pride. Pride is such a crazy thing because once we set our stand so definitively as Pharaoh has, then it's just really difficult to humble ourselves or admit our mistakes. And when we establish ourselves as superior as Pharaoh also has, then it's really difficult to submit to another. And Pharaoh's done both of these things. So his pride is just not allowing him to submit to God or admit his mistakes fully. After Moses states his refusal to humble himself, he explains that if he continues in that way, that there will be a plague of locusts sent that will cover the entire earth so that it can't be seen. And these locusts are going to eat any remnant of the plants and the trees that were left behind by the hail. And at that announcement, even Pharaoh's servants pressured him to submit. They are sick of this. And they explained to him, you know, our land is completely ruined and we can't take any more of this. You've got to give in and just let these people go. This is getting ridiculous. They said that Moses was being a snare to them. And so basically Moses is just backing them into a corner. You know, he has them trapped. And Pharaoh's only choice is to give in to Moses or to just, you know, dig his heels in deeper and suffer the consequences. He doesn't really have any other choice. 
And that made me think about us because sometimes we back ourselves into a corner by doing the things that I told you earlier that Pharaoh is doing by taking such a strong stand or establishing ourselves as superior or our ideas as superior. And then we just can't walk them back. You know, there's nothing we can do. It's like give in or just be stubborn and suffer the consequences. And as I was thinking about this, I don't know if y'all are like me, but it's a hard thing to admit that you've been wrong, especially when you've taken a really hard stand or something's been going on for a long period of time. And I'm wanting to know why. You know, as I was thinking about this, I just thought, why is it so difficult to say that we're wrong or give in to someone else when we know that that person's right anyway? It's like that is the most torturous thing to do, even more difficult than just accepting the consequences of our stubbornness. It's like we know we're wrong. We can't admit it. And so we would rather suffer whatever the consequences of being stubborn are, as opposed to just saying, yeah, I've been wrong. It... (laughs) It's really dumb, actually, but we do it. And I don't know why that is, why it's so hard just to say we're wrong and give in. But it seems really, really difficult. And thing is, is that almost always is that our pride always gets us into trouble. And yet we still do it. That's why the Bible says, you know, pride comes before the fall. Listen to what it says in Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. So even though our pride will surely lead to destruction, as did Pharaoh's, we're almost like, yeah, fine, I'll self-destruct because that's better than saying that I've been wrong. It's such a weird thing. Listen to what it says in Proverbs eleven two: When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. So we're most certainly going to feel ashamed after we've stood our ground, which is what continues to happen to Pharaoh. He keeps saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And then he gets in trouble. And then he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I feel so bad. Then the punishment stops. And then he just does it all over again. And the thing is that not only is pride going to cause destruction, but the Bible says that humility brings us honor, which is, you know, completely contrary to human thought. But the things of the spirit are not the same as the things of the flesh. And so we just have to remember that what God says is true and right, even if it's not our normal inclination. Listen to what it says in Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. So if we puff ourselves up and make ourselves more important than we are, then it says we will be brought low. But if we humble ourselves in the spirit, we will keep our honor. It's just completely contrary to the way that the world works. But it helps for us to know this so that hopefully we can stop digging in our heels and suffering the consequences of our pride and just go ahead and humble ourselves from the beginning. 
Now, when Pharaoh's servants talked to him, it seemed like they almost had him convinced, but his pride just continuously prevented him from submitting completely. You know, he would halfway do it every time. Like with the fourth plague with the flies, he told them that they could go sacrifice to their God, but he wasn't going to let them travel. They had to stay within the land. And then with the hail, he convinced that he was wrong, but he said, I was only wrong this time. This time I've been wrong, not the rest of them. And so every time he just will not fully submit or admit his wrong. And so again, with this plague, he tries to partially submit by allowing the men to travel, but not letting the women and the children go with them. He just couldn't humble himself enough to just fully submit to God. He was always holding just a little bit back. He hoped that by keeping the women and the children back, that it would force the men to return for sure. But Moses, thankfully, refused to partially obey God or to yield to Pharaoh in any way. He knew that obedience to God meant there could be no compromise with the world. And so Moses wouldn't do that. He told them that they had to take all of the people with them. And obviously this made Pharaoh very angry. And he kind of mocked them and he was just like, yeah, well, you better hope God's with you if you ever try to take the women and the children with you because I'm not going to allow that to happen. And then he just told Moses and Aaron to leave. And so since he did not submit and didn't do what God asked him to do, this was the response beginning in verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts, and the locusts went up all over the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened. And they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or in the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he didn't let the children of Israel go. So after Moses and Aaron left, then God told Moses to hold up his staff. And when he did this, God sent an east wind to blow in the locusts. And they did this for a whole day and a whole night. The wind was just blowing locusts into Egypt. And there were so many locusts that they just completely covered the ground and the ground looked black. Now, either the wheat and the barley have now come up and the locusts were eating these crops Or they were still in the ground and the hail only beat down the crops and the trees. And then the locusts came and ate all of that. Whatever plants and trees that were on the land at that time, we know all of the green was eaten by the locusts. And Pharaoh quickly called Moses and asked him to pray that the locusts be taken away. 
You know, with each recent plague, it seems that Pharaoh is seeming increasingly more repentant. This time he even asked for forgiveness. But the thing is, is that he already had opportunity to humble himself before the disaster ever came. And he chose to stand his ground against God. So his apology continues not to hold up, really. But when Moses prayed to God, God sent a west wind and blew the locusts out of Egypt and into the Red Sea. But he still had more of his power to reveal. And so he hardened Pharaoh's heart for the second time, the other time being during the sixth plague. Now, I'm just going to somewhat explain this hardening of the heart again, even though by now we should have the gist of it. Pharaoh is never intending to submit his life to God because he could have humbled himself when the plague was announced before it ever came on him, and he wouldn't do that. The only time that he would submit to God is when God absolutely forced him. And the thing is, is that a person like that that just has to be forced into doing what God wants him to do, that type of person is going to have to be forced over and over and over again. They're never going to submit their entire lives to him. Only one thing here and there because they have absolutely no other choice. If they feel like they can escape the consequences and still live their lives in whatever way that they choose, then that's what they're going to do. Pharaoh has proven this over and over again. He only submits when he's forced to. And then he goes right back to what he wants to do. So God has hardened his heart and immediately following the lifting of the locusts from the land of Egypt, this is what happens. This is beginning in verse 21 of chapter 10 of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be a darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards heaven and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They didn't see one another, nor did anyone rise from the place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones go with you. But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us, not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he wouldn't let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day that you see my face, you shall die. So immediately following the plague of the locusts, Moses stretched out his hands towards the heavens and complete darkness fell over the land of Egypt. And this darkness lasted for three days. It says it was such a thick gloom that you could feel the darkness around you. And no one could see anything at all. So they couldn't even leave the places where they were. Everyone was just keeping to themselves because they couldn't see anything. But the land of Goshen, again, was not touched and they had light there which meant that this couldn't be explained away as just a natural occurrence. God had sent it. And the thing is, is that Pharaoh knew that God sent it. He had no question. Again, he knows all of this. He just will not admit it. And he definitely won't submit. And so Pharaoh called Moses to him and said, fine, y'all can go serve your God. And he was even willing to let the women and the children go with him, but he still wanted to hold back the animals. He's like, maybe if I hold the animals back, they'll still have reason to return. 
The thing is, though, that this is an absolutely ridiculous statement because the entire reason for them leaving was to sacrifice their animals. So if they had to leave all of their animals behind, they wouldn't be able to sacrifice anything. So the entire purpose of their trip would be pointless. And most likely, you know, Pharaoh knows this by now. He has a concept of what's going on. He's just trying to hold back a little bit of control. He keeps trying to control the situation, trying to allow it in one way or the other, but not fully submitting to God. And since his other ways of worshiping in Egypt didn't work and then leaving the women and the children behind, he's like, this is really the only thing I have left. I can control the animals, maybe. So I'm going to ask them just to keep the animals back. But God's obviously not going to do that. And Moses knows that he can't partially follow God, right? He has to do it exactly how God tells him to do it. And he knows that this isn't going to work. And so he explains it to him. Hey, we have to have the animals, you know. We don't know what we're going to have to sacrifice until we get there. And that's the entire purpose of our leaving. And so this made Pharaoh so angry that he told him to leave and never come back. He said, if you come back, then I'll kill you. So Pharaoh was continuously holding back from God and trying to keep as much control for himself as possible. It's frustrating that we have to continue to compare ourselves to Pharaoh, but unfortunately, he's just the one that we can relate to. So I have to ask, do you ever hold things back from God? And you know, how hard is it for you to give up control to him? I mean, even knowing that he's the one whose ways are perfect, we still have a difficult time giving up control. Even though we know we can be wrong because we're people and he never can be wrong because he is God, we still try to control things. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 32, 4. It says, he is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. So why would we want to control things whenever we have a God like that, whose work is perfect, whose ways are just, who's truthful and righteous and upright? I mean, we know we're not those things. And yet, for some reason, we hold things back from him and try to control our own lives whenever he's way better than we are doesn't make a lot of sense. What we are supposed to do is what it says in Mark 12, 28 through 33. Listen to this. One of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that Jesus had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus said, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So we are supposed to give all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength to God. And yet, again, as we said, we don't do that. There are areas that we hold back from him. 
whether it be a relationship, a job, how we handle our money, the things we think about, the things we do, the things we feel. Maybe it's just our day-to-day task or maybe it's our future goals. Whatever it may be, if you think about it, I bet there is at least one area, if not some piece in all of those areas that we're holding back from God. Some place that we want all the control, even from the one that we know is better than us. Exactly like Pharaoh, whenever Pharaoh knows that he's wrong and God's right, but he just won't let the control up. It's the same with us. We know that God is smarter than us. We know he is more perfect than us. We know that he is everything good that we are not. And yet there are still things that we hold back from him, still things that we want to control just for the sake of control, just because we're too prideful and we want to do it our way. We don't want to humble ourselves. And so this week, I just want to challenge you to examine your life and see where pride may be getting in the way, in what areas you're not willing to humble yourself and admit that you're wrong or humble yourself and submit to God, in what ways you may be holding back, keeping control for yourself. Just examine your life in that way and then, you know, maybe write some things down and then just give them to God. Pray to him and confess that you've been holding these things back. And logically, you know, it doesn't make sense, but it's still ridiculously hard for you to let go of it for whatever reason. And just ask him for his help. God is a gracious and merciful God. He knows our weaknesses as people. And so not confessing them doesn't help us in any way. He already knows it, rather we say it or not. So we may as well go to him and just say, this is hard for me. I know logically that I should be giving this to you and I know that you are more responsible with it than I am. I know how often I'm wrong and I know that you are right always. And just for whatever reason, I just want to keep hold of this. I like having control in this one area. And so I need your help to let this part go and just give it to you. Because when we stop, and think about it, we know that we do not want to align ourselves with Pharaoh. We do not want to be like him in any way. And here he is being stubborn. He will not admit he's wrong. He will not submit to the Lord. He will not humble himself, even if it hurts him, even if bad things happen to him. He continues to hold back and keep a little bit of control for himself. And we do not want to be like that. So I just encourage you to do that this week. Just examine your lives and try to turn things over to God and know that it's going to be difficult, especially the longer you've held on to it. The longer we've had it, the harder it's going to be. And just remember that God knows it too, and he has grace and mercy for us. And so you may have to continue to turn it over a million times to him, but that's better than continuing to hold on to it. So go to him as many times as you have to in order to give that fully over to him. Each time it should get a little easier. The first time is going to be the most difficult. That's for sure. The more that we admit it and the more that we practice giving things over to God, then the better we'll get at it. So maybe even memorize this verse here in Mark. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. Continuously tell yourself that throughout the week and ask God to help you. 
We know that he's worthy of our love and we know that he's worthy of having control over our lives. And so we just have to ask him for help because we're sinful people and it's hard otherwise. Next week, we will study the 10th plague. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode because that is the last of the plagues just before the Exodus. And this plague also is going to be important throughout the rest of the Bible. What happens during the 10th plague becomes a practice for God's people throughout the rest of the Bible. So you'll really want to make sure that you know what that is and we'll get into a more in-depth study over it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star review wherever you're listening. That helps get the word out to others. Also, leave me comments. I'd love to hear what you're thinking, agreements, opposition, questions, whatever. Also, if you don't want to leave it in the comment section, you can email me. My email address is Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. So that's all for today. Thanks and have a good day.